Hello and Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to the Life in Another World podcast, and today is January the 2nd of 2017, and I think I join most people in just bidding 2016 goodbye. Not necessarily a fair or happy goodbye, just goodbye 2016. Um, I don't necessarily think that I had as bad of a 2016 as a lot of people. I did actually get to spend the first four months of it in New Zealand finishing up my trip, so I have to appreciate for that. But 2017 is going to be a year full of exciting things, and I can't wait to get into it. Um, but today, uh, I, I sat down with my roommate because she just recently spent some holiday time out in New Orleans, and she gave me a lot of information about that city that I actually had no idea about. So I, I had a really good time in interviewing her and hearing about her experiences and learning about a new place for myself. So without further ado, welcome to the Life in Another World podcast. Welcome to the Life in Another World podcast, where world travelers reflect on the impact of their experiences. I'm your host, Andrew J. Stillman, and now let's dive in. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Life in Another World podcast. Today, I have my beautiful, wonderful roommate, Claire Holstrom, on the show. Hi, Claire. Hi, everyone. You can't see, but I'm waving at you. <laughs> um, Claire just got back from a trip to Narlins. 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 And um, I've been talking a little bit about um, how shorter trips can be just as beneficial and life-changing as big huge trips, because I understand that maybe not everybody can do a year like what I did or what a lot of other people do, so I wanted to bring Claire on because having lived with her, I saw that she went through every challenge in the book trying to get out to uh, New Orleans. Literally. Literally every challenge in the book. Do you want to talk a little bit about that first before I uh, steal your thunder? So what challenges (laughs) did you face? Okay, well this trip I've been planning for a year. I've been obsessed with the thought of going down there, trying to food, the nightlife, you know, the music, everything. And every time it seemed like I had the money saved up, something would come up, you know, oh, I need new tires for the car. That's $800. Or, oh, Boy Scouts is coming up. Guess what? Popcorn and uniforms. That's like a million dollars. Not literally everyone, but it feels that way. Something always popped up. So I never had the means. Every bonus I got ended up going towards something that I had no control over. So it was difficult just getting out there. And I would also like for the record to state that I actually made Claire buy her ticket mm. because because of these roadblocks that kept happening. We had to have our house flea bombed. Oh, yeah. We had, like, we had all sorts of financial duress. Set- setbacks. Oh, so many. And I Claire had been talking to me about this trip since I was still in New Zealand, and I've been out of there for like 10 months now. Mm-hmm. And I told, I think there was a sale, wasn't there? Wasn't there a sale for tickets? Yeah. Which also, as a side note for anyone listening, you should always check for sales because that's a lot of the times how these kind of trips just end up happening is when it goes on sale and you take your opportunity because you had the money. I had the money. It was on sale. Oh, and it just so happens that when you fly out on Christmas, you end up saving like $300. Which is kind of weird. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it 
would make sense if nice, the fact so that nobody wants to fly on Christmas, but the airport was packed, so yeah. it's not really that. Um, but yeah, by flying out on Christmas, I saved three hundred dollars and paid for all of my rooms. I mean, yeah, deal right there, absolutely, two and one. You know, because you paid for your rooms, like, and you paid for that all up front. Yeah, and then it was just a matter of saving up. Saving up, coming up with what I could to spend until my paycheck went through, you know, four days after I got there. Yeah, and then Three you days. left right before Christmas, and then you yes. got all your Christmas shopping, and you had done all that stuff. Because I think that, I mean, money's always a really big factor that plays into everybody's traveling. And you, oh, I mean, you cut it to the wire, <laughs> and I, I know that just because I lived here. Like, you were living, leaving in, like, three days, and you're like, I got 50 bucks, <laughs> And then that got stolen from you. Yeah. You had all of your money taken. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how you turned that setback into a challenge, into a happy, positive outcome. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. You have a very set amount. You have a budget for every day, $50 a day. I was excited to have that. And then it turns out that my card had been scanned and all my money was gone. (laughs) <laughs> so I was broke in New Orleans for a good day and a half until I could finally have access to cash. And that, like, when it first happened, I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, I'm stranded. But I was like, stop it, Claire. All your rooms are paid for. All of them provide breakfast in the morning. Eat a big breakfast. You're pretty much set. Go around New Orleans. I mean, there's a million free things to do. There are little museums. There are art galleries. There is music everywhere to listen to. Street artists, like, you don't have to spend any money in New Orleans to still have an amazing time. Luckily. I think that that's actually a really important quote that you just said in general. Because you can always find a way to have a really good time without Mm -hmm. money. Or you can go on free walks. You yes. can go to Costco and take free samples. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be funny. Wouldn't that be funny if there's a Costco in the French Quarter? <laughs> but, I mean, just because sticking on that topic of money being so stressful, I mean, everyone want like what you were just saying, you ha- want to have everything planned out, you mm-hmm. have the budget for the day, but then when you have nothing, you know, then what? And you just yeah. go find free stuff. You and then that's even more fun than paying for things, because the best things in life are free. It is so true. Like, that was one of my... Favorite days. It was also a day I ended up walking like eight miles all over the city, which isn't a bad thing. When I was out there, I actually walked 42 miles within the six days I was there because you don't realize it, but you know, you're like, oh, this landmark is like 15 minutes away. Cool, let's just walk to it. You know, it'd be stupid to take an Uber. It would take longer to get the Uber and get over there than it would to actually walk. So you get there and you check it out. Super cool. Oh, this other one is like, 10 minutes that way before you know it you've walked all over the town and it yeah it's amazing i ended up losing 10 pounds instead of gaining it and how many hostels did you stay in two different ones two different ones and then you did you meet people who stayed in both of those hostels or you ran into them later like let's talk about some of the friendships that you made because I you came amazing. back talking these huge stories about you know everything about everyone that you just spent three days with, <laughs> but that's how traveling is. It is, and so I mean a lot of the friendships I made from New Zealand, it was the same thing. It's like we were on the bus two or three days. I hopped off, they hopped off, whatever, and I still talked to them. Yeah, yeah. So what what was some of that like for you? Well, I specifically wanted to stay at two different hostels so I could get you know the vibe of different ones. And New Orleans has a ton of them, but these ones just kind of stuck out in my mind. They had good reviews, so the first one I stayed at, I ended up getting in there late because thank you, my flight was delayed. Delta. What on both ways was your flight delayed? Uh, I was supposed to get there at 
2.30 in the afternoon and I didn't get there until 7. Oh. Kind of killing And it was the same thing on the way home. I wanted to have a Christmas roommate with my dinner, folks. She got home on Christmas Day. I didn't want to spend Christmas alone. And she walked in the house at 10.15 and I was asleep on the couch. <laughs> Continue. Anyways. <laughs> um, so the first one I stayed at was the Atlas House. And it's on Magazine Street. And when I was going there, my Uber driver, she's like, yeah, you know. Before Hurricane Katrina, nobody would go here at this time of the night. Buses wouldn't come here. They'd get shot at by the drug dealer. She's like, this was, like, the hood. The epitome of you do not want to go anywhere near here. You know, like, at all. But then Hurricane Katrina came up, wiped everything out, and afterwards they had to tear what was left down. And they built tons of, like, really cool homes. I guess it was a big project that Brad Pitt and Jay-Z were doing at the time, building all the new houses. And it has totally done a full turnaround 360 to the point where, yeah, you can walk outside the hostel at, you know, at 10 o'clock at night and you don't have to worry about being shot. I mean, you're still in a town you don't know in the middle of the night, mind you. But, you know, it's not like you're going to get shot. Yeah. And that one was really cool. It had, like, that hostel was unique. I mean, they all are, but I got to stay. The other one was Hostel Auberge. Auberge. I know. Sounds fancy. It is fancy. It was. That one was really fun. I had to sleep at a 10-person dorm room. My gosh. The most I ever had was 26, and that was insane. Yeah. I would not go for 26. That was too many. 10 was the most that I was going for. But honestly, as long as you bring those little earplugs you can put in and, like, a mask to cover your eyes, doesn't matter. You can't hear them. If they turn the light, you can't see. You sleep. But we didn't do much sleeping. (laughs) The first night I checked into the Auberge, I just kind of hung out at the hostel because, again, it was broke that day. Was Auberge first? That was the second one. Second? Okay. Yeah. But met a bunch of cool people there. Um, That's where I met my good friend Hilda. Hilda, you, if you're listening, hi. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she was like, everyone there was just instantly warm. And, you know, you meet people you just instantly click with. It's like you knew them in a past life. And it's like, oh, my God, where have you been? It's so weird. It's so weird. Because it, you're imme- it's immediate. It's immediate. It is so yeah. immediate. And it's so hard to explain to people. You are BFFs. Like, yeah. Instantly. Immediately. Instantly. And it's one of those friendships that you know no matter where you are in the world, what you're doing. It's always going to be like, dude, what's up? I've missed you so much. You can pick up just right where you are. Mm-hmm. And, um... Yeah. And a free place to stay in wherever she lives. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I, whenever I meet people I really like at the hostels, I'm like, hey, you guys in Monterey, come visit. You can crash at my place. Don't even worry about it. The hostel here is not that good. Yeah. <laughs> so I've heard. And we do have a very comfortable couch. We do have a very comfortable couch. <laughs> um, so talk us still more about your friendships. We kind of veered off a little bit. We did a little bit. You said hi to Hilda. Oh, so you were going out, you went out with uh, the O'Bears, you were out drinking all the time. You don't even <laughs> drink. Well, yeah, you do, I guess. Yeah, well, the second night, once I had money again, mind you. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was the night to live it up. Yeah, so um, we went down to Les Bon Temps. It was a club. And we saw this, I don't remember the name of the band. They were really good. We're really good, but it was more fun because the group of people that we had there, there was, um, there, I don't, honestly don't remember a lot of their names because there was excessive beer drinking going on, (laughs) but I gave them all nicknames, so it's okay. Okay. Um, there was Canada. He was a super cool, um, Asian guy. There's obviously Hilda. There was, um, I call him Jack. I don't know why, but he was one of the coordinators from the hostel. Um, 
there's a Swiss guy, uh, me, um, Julian was there, like, just a random group of travelers, none of us had ever met before, like, this was the second day, and, like, all the guys who went with us had just checked in, because everyone else was leaving, and me and Hilda were just kind of, you know, hanging out. But this weird dynamic of people from all around the place, and, like, there's even one girl there, she got really drunk, and Hilda and I took it upon ourselves to make sure she made it up the stairs, we, like, <laughs> spotted her, she was going up, we didn't want her to fall or anything, made sure she made it to her room. <clears throat> but it's it's a sense of camaraderie you get, especially knowing that you don't know anyone else in the mm-hmm. city just like them. Yeah, and that, I think that's why it's the easiest to bond with the people that you meet in traveling <laughs> on the road or whatever, because they're just as lost as you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you get adventure. to figure it out together mm-hmm. instead of, like, having to go up to some stranger and be like, hi, can you tell me where it's like, okay, like, exactly. let's, let's put our brains together and... And that bonds you very yeah, quickly. Yeah, it does. Because like, you, getting you lost start and having like to figure it out. Yeah, because you're starting in such a fear-based element mm-hmm. of life. Yeah. And then this random person comes on in the exact same thing, and it's just like, click. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that really bonded me with Hilda is everyone tells her that she's crazy to travel alone because she does it all the time. And I was like, you know what? I was told the same exact thing before. Like, you're going alone? Are you bringing protection? What, what do I need to be protected from? Like, what, do you expect me to bring, like, go out of my way to purchase, like, I don't know, like a taser or freaking pepper spray? Because I, I, like, you want me to feel, you, I feel it's more like you want to feel like I'm being safe. Or Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes, it makes the other person more comfortable to yeah. know that I have this. Sh- even though I don't need it. Yeah. But They're then, trying to instill fear in you that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, exactly. And we even, uh, me and Hilda got in a conversation with this, one of the guys about it. And he's like, no, you guys could totally do I was like, why? Because we're women? He's like, well, yeah, obviously. I was like, well, you're traveling alone. You are a, obviously, you are um, a Muslim man. You're traveling alone. Like, are, what are you more worried about, us or you right now? He's like, honestly, more people are scared of me. I was like, ah, that's funny. But he tried to make this point where just because we were women, we should be ten times more paranoid. And I was like, you know, granted, there are times when, as a woman, I do feel, like, more, what's the word I'm looking for? Cautious. Cautious. Cautious, good word, yeah. More cautious because, you know, I do see people looking at me out of the Mm -hmm. corner of their eyes. And when I was in New Orleans, I did get hit on a lot. And (laughs) sometimes it was very nice and, you know, boosted my ego. And sometimes I was just like, dude, you're my Uber driver. You are not... (laughs) You are not my future baby daddy. Do not tell me you want to make a baby with pretty blue eyes with me. Okay, that's Did you say that? Yeah. I was Whoa. like, that's inappropriate. Weird. See, that's the point where I feel uncomfortable as a woman yeah. traveling. But that's like the one Uber or Lyft driver I had out of like 15 of them. Yeah. So, you know, there is always that one little person. But as long as you can like handle yourself, you don't need pepper spray. All you need is a well-aimed jab at his ego and he shuts up. Or just a well-aimed jab at his face. Or nuts. But maybe that's just, It's like, kind of hard to do when he's driving the car. The testosterone <laughs> in me speaking. <laughs> just punch him. <laughs> Hit him in the face, knock him out. Take yeah. care of the problem. I, that was the only time in the entire trip that I felt like, as a woman, I was like, whoa. No other time. And even when all of the group would go together and we'd go out, they were all very protective of everyone in the group. That's a good way to be. Yeah. 
my like. Pretty sure everyone stays hydrated. <laughs> I like to play that role. Drink water, and everyone's just like, I don't need water. And for every shot you take, take a drink of water, okay? And I'm I'm the worst at that, and I pay for it every day. <laughs> next time, every day. <laughs> um, but shifting topics a little bit, let's just talk about New Orleans a little bit. Um, so. People who are listening right now who might be interested in going to New Orleans, what would you tell them they must do? Especially some of that free stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, from what I understand, I obviously went in December. Avoid it during the summer. Was it different? Like, was it all set up for Christmas? Was there? Oh yeah, there was Christmas decorations all over everywhere. Um, I mean, New Orleans in general is pretty decorated. (laughs) Just by them being them, always flags up, Mardi Gras stuff, beads everywhere. The place is constantly decorated, but they do put up a massive uh, Christmas tree over by Jackson Square, which is pretty Mm. cool, lit up at night. Um, I mean, some places had, you know, garlands and stuff like that. The hostels were more Christmassy (laughs) than any of the other ones, although apparently they do do a Christmas Santa bar run where thousands of people dress up as Santa Clauses and do bar crawls throughout the French Quarter which would be highly confusing in my opinion, but still fun. But New Orleans, um, there's something, I don't even know what it is. You get off the little streetcar, you head to the French Quarter, and you just kind of feel it seeping into your pores. That, it's, ugh, could have sounded bad. Um, no, I understand. Yeah, it, the, the, it's the energy, it's the fact that some of these buildings have been there for like, like, 300 years. Like, yeah. mind-blowing. History. Mm-hmm. History. History going on there. You That's walk just the whole around, East Coast kind of, like, in general. Yeah, and you, like you can, like, f- almost feel the ghosts and the energies from past generations, like, still there, you know, in the street. And you, it's almost like you can feel the history going on around you. Like, the La Lori Mansion... That's like the most haunted one in the French Quarter. That's is that the woman from American Horror Story? Madame La Horie. That was Kathy Bates, and she was like the crazy person with, with the, the slaves. Yeah. And her, oh, okay. Yeah. That's a real place. Legit. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, Madame La Horie was definitely a real person. She definitely chained slaves in her attic and tortured them, broke their bones, repositioned them. What? Yeah. And you can go there? Well, they turned it into apartments. Who the crazy uh, saw, who's the crazy enough sod no, to want to live no, in those apartments? I don't no, know. No, no, so, uh, <laughs> no. So, no, 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 no. No, that never place there. No, thank you. It, yeah, I mean, I would love to go inside. You know, maybe visit, stay for a night. Visit, but yeah, yeah no. No, but people no. like legitimately live there now. Well, more power to them. <laughs> that, that's a strong. I'm too superstitious person. for that kind of shenaniganry. Anyway, continue Anyways, on. Yeah, um, the La Lori Mansion. It's you know super haunted. You walk by it at night. It's ten times worse. You know, if you take pictures of it at night on the ghost tours, nine times out of ten, there's gonna be like little orbs floating across the pictures, all ghosty and stuff. And I mean, just. If you're, like, one for Supernatural, this is definitely a place you need to go. Yeah, because there was, like, voodoo places that you oh, were going yeah. to and all that stuff. Well, New Orleans was steeped in, like, that just from the very start. Black magic? Was it black magic? Yeah, I wouldn't call it black magic. It's, uh, voodoo isn't a black magic necessarily. It's much like any other religion. It can be used for good, for light. Mm. Just like even Christianity can. Yeah. You can have the super, you know, inspirational Christians, and then you get the ones who yell at you because... Yeah. You're a soldier. Yeah. <laughs> you get the Westboro, Westboro Baptist Church. Yes. 
Um, but the voodoo is just so steeped in it because, you know, all of the slaves from Haiti and whatnot, they were bringing it over, and then you get, oh, Madame Marie Laveau. She was a voodoo queen. Like, she was She was person. an American Horror Story, too. They probably did that one on New Orleans. It's pro- yeah, I think it, I think that was actually in New yeah. Orleans, that one. But I just, I'm the one that didn't do any research to realize <laughs> that they were based on. Because <laughs> I was just watching a TV show, but I'm yeah. just like, well, I know all these names. Yeah, Sorry. no, no, fine. But the voodoo queen, you know, that was her place, her stronghold. And even now, like, it used to be that so many people would go to her grave in a same St. Louis Cemetery Number One, as opposed to Number Two, as opposed to Lafayette, way down at the other end of town. Uh, but so many people were going that um, they had to start making it a tour because the, so many people were leaving offerings and like huge, um, like what are they called, altars to her. That like it was so overwhelming, it was taking over the entire graveyard. So they have to do the tour now, and you can't leave anything at the altar. It's kind of depressing, but. Yeah, you walk into that place. You walk around the outside. I wanted to go on a tour. I got there too late to go on it. But just walking around the outside, it's like you can feel this. It's almost like uh, in your head, that warm, warm, warm. You can almost feel the energy and everything that's in that cemetery just trying to fight its way out. And I feel bad for it because, you know, these hundreds of year old graves and mausoleums are right next to where they're building apartment buildings. It's like, if I was a native to New Orleans, I would be livid if they were building apartment buildings next to that. Well, I mean, is that still part of like the hurricane disaster cleanup, those new apartments? Or, I mean, did you see much destruction still? Or is that Um, more out in the outskirts? It's more on the outskirts. You can still like do tours to go look at it. I find that really cheap. Do they pay like homeowners for people doing tours through their old, like as their, because people I'm sure are still waiting on their insurance to kick through from that. I would think so. So they're just capitalizing on the tourism? But like, (laughs) but it's like, no, these houses are abandoned. They're not livable. Yeah. take them on tours to see the destruction. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I feel it's so cheap. Like you are pimping out your own destruction to make money. Yeah. I mean, unless all that money is going to rebuilding these houses. And it could be. Let's to be fair, so. it could be. But, if, I don't know, big tour groups that also do ghost yeah. tours are doing those. Yeah. But, but that does help the city anyway. It does, you know, but... Because New Orleans is obviously still great for oh, everything that you said. There is, uh, there was a spot in the French Quarter that had... It was, like, all chained off. You could tell they were going to be doing construction at some point, but you could still see the tiles from the bath from the main floor, mm-hmm. like, still on the ground, and it totally collapsed during Hurricane Katrina when the French Quarter was flooded. Dang. Did yeah. you go to the Superdome? I stayed right next to it. I saw it as I drove past it in a lift. <laughs> How crazy. That, I mean, it's I could huge. never even imagine something like Katrina happening. But, I, I mean, there's all natural disasters. But, in a, I mean, in a lot of weird ways, it kind of put, like, the city more on the map. And it it's, did. like, brought more tourism in. And, I mean, tourism has to help the city. I mean, oh, yeah. all of that. Like, the companies that do these big tours might keep a huge portion, but they probably donate a huge portion, too, because yeah. they probably make so much. Oh, now. yeah. Tourism is a huge part of this. I mean, even here in Monterey, like, a good chunk of the money and the income that we have comes from tourism. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's why 
people always try to, you know, talk about places. Like, yeah. come here, go here. That's why it's always, like, you know, promotion and all that kind of Definitely. stuff. Definitely. But, yeah. So, back to the what you can do for free. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got on a way big distraction about yeah, ghosts. Yeah, we did. Ghosts. I didn't know that it was such a haunted town. Oh, and to be honest, haunted. that makes me really excited. It is. That's why I'm saying to I mean, I would go on some ghost hunting adventures while I was... I want to do that. I mean, just in general, because America's got so many yeah. ghosts. <laughs> so, what I did do, like, I specifically looked it up. I did little walking tours with myself. Like, if you're obsessed with the originals, here are seven places in New Orleans you have to go. If you're obsessed with interviewing with a vampire, go to the places so you can see it from the movie same way with um ncis new orleans anything that has been based you know in new orleans you can go do it so i went on a couple walking vampire tours (laughs) i think i remember yeah and that's something about that how i came across that vampire shop right boutique du vampire Boutique du Vampire. Yeah, that's where all the props for the originals and a couple things from Twilight, True Blood. (laughs) I know, I kind of gagged a little when I saw that it was in there too, but... Then she has Eric's crossbow from True Blood on the wall. Came Uh from her shop. Yep. Cool. You gotta go there, and you know, it's kind of expensive, but it's the only vampire store in the United States, so... Oh. Mm -hmm. That's why so many people got their props from them. Because everything in there is handmade. That's awesome. Yeah, totally geeked out over that. So, yeah, you could do little movie-type walk yourself around the tours. There's a Jean Lafitte Museum. I want to say it's down... I can't remember where it was because I randomly came across it, but the Jean Lafitte Museum, it only takes you like an hour and a half to look at everything, but um, it's like the how it was when Jean Lafitte first came to the area back when the native americans were still you know holding their own land you know there was starting to be some influx of like influence from the westerners before it became a part of the united states but it takes you back to the time where like the creoles the cajuns and it takes you through the eras and how all the different um uh, like groups came into new orleans and when they started bringing their own flavor and stuff and it's just really interesting not something that you would want to do if you have a small child because it is a lot of reading and like listening to things on those little phones. Mm-hmm. But definitely it's interesting. Like I would go again. Let's shift one more time because for all of you listeners, Claire is an executive chef <laughs> and a huge portion, she said earlier, a huge portion of her going to New Orleans in the first place was because food. Food. And so. Talk to me about that. Because oh you wanted God. some gumbo. I wanted some gumbo. You wanted some Christmas gumbo. I didn't get Christmas gumbo. But you got gumbo. I did Around Christmas time. So it's we can count. We, we'll, count we'll count yeah. it. Yeah. No, I'm, I am uh, planning on making different things for my menu this coming year. And I really wanted to add gumbo. Because I'm like, a, I was obsessed with it. I don't even it. know what gumbo is. Gumbo you, is so a delicious, um, it's kind of like a thick soup. And it's made with really dark brown roux. If you don't know what a roux is, it is a flour and oil mixture. Just really dark, so it's got this great nutty flavor. Um, traditionally, it is thickened with either filet, which is ground sassafras leaves, or okra. Okra makes it a bit slimy, so if you're down with the slimy texture, you do it that way. If not, you do it with a roux and a gumbo filet, and it's delicious. It's loaded with seafood. There's always some kind of seafood, because you're in New Orleans. You're right there. you got the most amazing fresh seafood. 
I'll even say that, and I'm from California. <laughs> Their seafood is better. Hands down. But they're still on the ocean out there, aren't they? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. They're right there. Yeah. They're, like, they're at the Gulf, and the Gulf has so much rich uh, ocean life. It's I ate a lot of seafood. But anyways, the gumbo. Oh, I went to the gumbo shop. It was really good. And then I had some at Coops. Some what? Some at Coops. Coops is a restaurant. Oh. Um, they they totally had better gumbo than the gumbo shop. How could you say such blasphemy? <laughs> As if I know. <laughs> uh, well, they had, like, I don't know, better varieties. What else did you try out there? I mean, or, or what did you see? Like, I mean, is it just, like... But I mean, is it a so lot yes, of, like, soul food, or is there, like, super international it's markets? It's not really, it's not really soul food. In Louis, or in, well, in other parts of Louisiana, yeah, soul food's really prevalent. But in New Orleans, it's more of the local Creole Cajun fare, you know? It's the gumbos, the jambalayas, etouffees. It is that food that has that French influence on okay. it. Because a lot of it, even when it comes down to, like, the Cajuns... They were from, originally they were from Canada, and they got kicked out of Canada, and they came down to Louisiana. So they have their own kind of French turn on things, yeah. and it's very spicy, because cayenne, kind of, those little Tabasco peppers are very prevalent everywhere. It's hot, it's f- sometimes heavy, it's fresh, it's hard to describe, like, New Orleans, it's a sensory overload. I'm still, it's, I've been back for, what, four days now, and I'm still trying to process everything. I know, this is a super fresh trip. I was like, perfect, sit down, <laughs> tell me everything. And, like, I can, I swear, even in, like, a month and a half, I'm going to be still kind of like, oh, my God, that's right, that, yeah. it blew my mind that one time. Well, you went, I mean, you went through that with me when I came back from New mm-hmm. Zealand, because I went, I went through, like, a solid kind of depression. Yeah. After I came back, because it was just like, what just happened? Like, yeah. I had so much yeah. to process once it was over. Um, and you have to, because it doesn't matter. Well, I guess it kind of does. You can go away for a day and come back, and you'll be pretty safe from the depression. But I think it comes down to when you go away, especially if you travel alone, and you leave everything that you were so used to, and so it's boring and banal, you leave it home, and then you go out and you experience God, a whole new life, new mm-hmm. cultures, foods. You meet people from all over the world, and you can't help it. You change. Mm-hmm. Even in a week. Even everybody. in a week. Like, I'd say that, like, three days would be, like, the when, the, when nothing really happens. Yeah. Like, a weekend vacation is like, okay, whatever. But, yeah. like, I'd say, like, a full week is, like, I mean, even if it's just a full week of partying or something. Yeah. Or, like, going to Vegas for, like, EDC that week. I mean, you're, that's still going to change that's everything. That's a huge experience. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can honestly say, uh, the person I was a week and a half ago is not here anymore. Uh, yeah, you are very, you're very... I feel more confident. And you're very much, like, more open. Yeah. Since I mean, you were a little bit more reserved before you went, and you just came back like, Woo! I'm going to put on some beads and go to Mardi Gras. Yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, it's true. I don't, it didn't mean for it to happen. They don't wear off. When I first came back from New Zealand, I was like, I want to be very patient, and I want to be very tidy, and I want to feel like like New Zealand, and that flew right out the window (laughs) a month. (laughs) Now I'm like, move off the road! No, for me, it's not even about trying to be patient or something like that, because God knows patience is not a thing in New Orleans. (laughs) Um, For me, it's more like, I had been in such a funk for two years. 
I, I didn't realize how deep of a funk I was in until I got the hell out of California for a while. Yeah. And then it's weird because coming back now, everyone's still the same and I'm so changed. Just, I know like, exactly I try to feels. tell them, I try to articulate how different I feel now and how like, and they're like, you've been gone for a week. What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. And nobody gets it. And that's yeah. where that depression kind of comes in because you just want to go back to the, mm-hmm. to it. Or at least back to the people who experience it with yes, you. Yes, because they understand. They would, yeah, they would get it. Yeah, and then, you know, like, luckily, we have each other. Yeah. We understand the depression. Yeah. But, you know, you, like, talking to my bosses last night, they're like, oh, you have fun? Yeah, it was great and all this. And I'm trying to articulate how much fun it is, and I just can't because they have no idea. They, and they won't because they're not the kind of bosses who would go to New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> Their offspring would. But not, but not them. them. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm ecstatic and I'm depressed at the same time. It's kind of like being a pothead alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what the travel bug does to you. It It just gets you all confused. It gets me so confused. But, you know, tax returns are coming up. My wonderlust is back in tow. Yes, that's true. And also, everybody, Claire also has the... I don't, I don't want to say it. She has a child, so she's oh, also do. got that consideration Yes, I when it comes to all of this traveling. Amazing so. little eight-year-old, and it, Dad and I, we have to work it out, because sometimes there will be times where Dad wants to take him on vacation for two weeks. Okay, fine. That's fine, you know, and then I don't have him for two weeks, and it hurts a lot, but then... You go on your own vacation. Exactly. And, and the next time you bring him with you, well, exactly. Dad goes on your I mean, vacation. Granted, Cunny is not going to New Orleans until he's at least 18. <laughs> uh-uh. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> like, I-, I will put my foot down on that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, last year we went to Seattle for a week and a half. Took him to his first pro football team, go Seahawks. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I want to totally like take my kid with me when I travel a lot, yeah. but there's just times or I just gotta. Yeah. But, but I, yes, but what I was meaning by that is just proof that you can do it oh, when you, can. you have a child. Yeah, it's totally. Cause you, and you can either bring him or you can not yeah. bring him, but I mean, it will always work out in a good way. Cause it's not like Cunny's angry at you right now. No, like, not at all. No, 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 like. He was Christmas with dad, yeah, so... exactly. I mean, and that, a lot of that comes down to having a good co-parenting relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what, with my son, we put him first. Yes. Always. And, you know, I have a good enough relationship with him that, you know, I can, like, when he has him for Christmas time, because we always switch off, I can leave, you know, for an extra couple days and go do my own thing. And then, you know, the next year when I have him... I can go anywhere with him, and it's okay. You know, it's balance. I hear you. It's hard, especially traveling when you, you know, besides the fact that, you know, traveling alone and having a child, you have to make sure that that kid's taken care of when you're gone. Mm -hmm. Or if they are with you, then you have a whole other expense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it does make it more difficult but at the same way it makes it more enjoyable because you know you can freaking do it yeah <laughs> um well claire that was awesome thank you so much for coming today do Thanks. you have any parting advice for anybody who's listening 
don't let someone tell you to don't do it alone. You want to go alone. It's a little scary at first because it's a whole new place, but don't let it hold you back. God, let that enhance it. Don't let people pull you back and be like, oh, you shouldn't do that. No, you should do because it's something you want to do. Just do it. We only live here for so long, and there's no point in staying in the same place your entire life because you don't grow. Yes. Traveling makes you grow, and it makes you a better person. I agree. And to kind of, like, backpack off of that idea, the general advice that I first got when I went to New Zealand, when I was planning on jumping off of lots of things, like actually jumping, like taking physical jumps off of things, the advice that was given to me was just jump. And I literally use those two words in my whole entire life for any time, any time. It's just because the longer you stand on the ledge looking, the more you're going to talk yourself out of it. But as soon as you jump, then it's just over. And and as soon as it's over, it's like, that was awesome. Best thing ever. It's the biggest rush. So don't, just jump. don't allow your fears to take over people. Jump. Jump it jump right full. Off. <laughs> jump off that cliff. Go bungee jumping. <clears throat> jump. I don't know. There's this crazy park where they literally drop you from 200 feet in the air into a net. Do it. Because why not? We're not getting not? out of this place alive. You might as well enjoy it. It's true. Right? We all have an expiration date. Rock yours before it comes. Yeah. And if it comes because you're jumping off of something, at least you're dying adventurous. Right? At least you have <laughs> not a just dying on a couch. <laughs> Rush, right? Definitely. I would rather die falling off a mountain than die from a heart attack from eating too many Cheetos on the I couch. I hear you. I, I would agree with that. But I do eat a lot of Cheetos on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Claire. Well, thank you so much for coming today. It was such a pleasure. It was fun. Thank yes. you for having me. And to all of you listeners, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast. You can also subscribe and check out my accompanying blog at lifeinanotherworld.com. And I will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.